We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. Yes, the pick is in, and the D.C. Podcast Association (laughs) selects Kevin Sheehan and Tom Lavero as podcasters of the month. Uh, Yeah, it's draft day, Tommy, uh, 2022. You and I used to be quite busy on draft day. I have no responsibilities on draft night tonight, other than calling in, uh, Craig Hoffman is hosting the coverage on 980. Uh, they're going to call me at some point. But other than that, I get to sit and watch the draft tonight. I'm excited about that. Well, you know, Kevin, it's not it's not riveting television. Yes, it is. I mean, you know, no, it's not. Oh, yes, it is. It's not riveting television. It takes way too long just to go through one round. And we used to have a lot more fun doing the draft shows at night in a bar somewhere <laughs> than you will watching it. We used to have a lot more fun. You know, we had a lot of fun, and you and I did a lot together. Doc and I did a ton together. I think Doc and I were partners, and I think many times you were in a different location. And Doc and I were always sort of co-hosting the, you know, right. the, the overall coverage of our draft night. And I have to tell you that some of my best memories of working at the radio station were draft night with Doc Walker. And, you know, the, how both of us would essentially understand that we were not experts on the draft. You know, anybody, this is, a, this is an industry that is very niche and there are, you know, certainly a lot more people now that consider themselves to be expert uh, at, at mock drafting and at evaluating drafts. And most of those people are people that have never, ever had the responsi- uh, responsibility of actually picking a player. But Doc, you know, would do his, well, Sheehan's big board thing. And then I'd say, well, you know, Doc's got his mock. So who's coming up next? The best ever, though, was one year we were doing it at Buffalo Wild Wings out in Rockville. That way, that was a location a couple of years in a row. Yeah, you were there. I was there, yeah. And the NFL Network was on in Buffalo Wild Wings right in front of us. 
and the NFL Network would, you know, pop up the pick and the radio broadcast where we would throw it to the commissioner for the latest pick, we were about eight seconds behind. So for about seven straight picks, Doc basically said, you know, Kev, I, I, I... uh, Coach, I just have a feeling it's going to be, and he would rip off a name, and then we would go, all right, well, let's go to the commissioner, and and Doc Doc hit on seven or eight in a row, and people were going bananas. They were like, how is Doc getting all of these in a row? And then I said to him, I said, you got to miss the next one just to make it seem real, and then you can get back on, an, on another four or five player run. Um, but we had a great time doing that. The, 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 the thing is, though, I've always felt this way. Anybody that's really into the draft isn't listening to it on radio. It is a very good television show, and it has been for years on ESPN. And I know now the NFL Network's had it for years, and they do a good job. And now tonight you get ABC. Like tonight it's on ABC, okay, with Reese Davis, with uh, Pollock, with Desmond Howard. Herb Street's not going to be there because he's actually sick. He's got like a blood clot or something going on. RG3, Jesse Palmer, that's the ABC broadcast. Then on ESPN. ESPN, you've got Mike Greenberg, Lewis Riddick, Mel Kuyper Jr. Um, by the way, Todd McShay is also on the ABC broadcast. Uh, Booger, Chris Mortensen. And then you've got the whole NFL Network show with Rich Eisen and Daniel Jeremiah and Charles Davis and, and, and David Shaw and others. I mean, you have a lot of options on television. The original, when it was just on ESPN, was fabulous. You know, when because that was to me one of the only things that Berman did exceptionally well when he was with Kuiper and with you know um, Doctor Z way back in the day. Uh, but you know, in more and recent, Tom Jackson. yeah, exactly. I thought it was always great, yeah. and and you know the Kuiper showdown with with Bill Tobin, the the Indianapolis Colts GM back in '94. You got a problem with this move? I think it's a typical Colt move. I mean, here's a team that needed a franchise quarterback to pass up a Trent Dilfer when all you have is Jim Harbaugh. Give me a break. That's why the Colts are picking second every year in the draft, not battling for the Super Bowl like other clubs in the National Football League. One question, Bill. A lot of criticism about not taking a quarterback here. Your response? Well, you know, we got a guy up there. Who in the hell is Mel Kuyper, in a way? I mean, here's a guy that criticizes everybody, whoever they take. He's got the answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take. In my knowledge of him, he's never ever put on a jock strap. He's never been a coach. He's never been a scout. He's never been an administrator. And all of a sudden, he's an expert. He's in our papers two days ago telling us who we have to take. We don't have to take anybody that Mel Kuyper says we have to take. Mel Kuyper has no more credentials to do what he's doing than my neighbor, and my neighbor's a postman, and he doesn't even have season tickets to the NFL. I think it is a great television show, but I haven't been able to. I think 16 out of the last 18 years, I was I was figuring out uh, late last night um, before the the radio show this morning. I always had hosting duties, and I don't tonight. Well, which I, I'm I just thrilled felt, about. I just think we had more fun doing it than you will watching it. Uh, so you didn't get an, a special invite to the Commanders draft party tonight at. At Ghost Town Field? Well, that's another thing that you and I did uh, several times. On the Saturday of the draft, how many times were we out at FedEx Field doing stuff? Yes. How awful was that? Look, I remember being there the day they our RG3 landed on a helicopter. That, 
on the, in the middle of the field. That was the biggest crowd by far ever for one of those draft day parties, which, you know, we for many years, I did, but I think you would jump on this. You know, when we would say to a lot of our listeners and, and friends, look, there is this one, you know, faction of the fan base that will just never think that the team has done anything wrong and will spend a lot of their disposable income on the team. And we would refer to, and we continue to refer to, Harvest Fest and the draft day party at FedEx Field. Yes. I mean, and, yes. if, and if the team, you know, which I think they did for many years, based sort of what they believed the fan base to be off of those two events... It's no wonder they were kind of delusional and caught off guard by the massive erosion of fans at games and television ratings and, you know, internal approval ratings of Dan and Bruce, because it was, it was a, it was a fun fest with a lot of people that just ignored all the bad stuff forever. Um, but there were a couple of years, several years in a row that after RG3, where I think they were lucky to have. 3,000 people at that thing, Two, you know, yeah. 2,500 people yeah. at that draft day party with Larry hosting on the field yeah. and you and I up on the club level doing a radio show, yeah. which... I mean, the good part was uh, a lot of times they'd have Redskins alumni there and we'd get to interview some of those, some of them. I always enjoyed that. That's true. As, as well. That was always that was the always case. a lot of fun. That's true. Yeah. But uh, one, my one memory, and it's not a great memory... But for some reason, it really you know sticks with me. Was when uh, Mike Shanahan with the third pick drafted Josh Laribas. Yeah, and, we and I kept calling him John Belushi. <laughs> we we couldn't find any information on him. We didn't know anything about. Him. We saw a picture of him, and I said, "That's John Belushi." Yeah, we we there was nothing on Josh Laribas anywhere. And and the two no, of us, and he was the third third round pick. Yeah, yeah. I I think you know we threw out. I, I don't know. Is he going to be like a, a chef at La Firm? <laughs> like what's what's going on here? We had no idea who he was. No idea. No. No. See, I our, our, our scouts had not had not scouted that guy. Chris Russell did not have any any, any information on Josh Laribas. <laughs> But you know what? That's the same draft where you and I, on that day, we were sitting out at FedEx Field. Um, because Laribus was taken in the third round. But I think the third round was yep. Saturday because we were together. It could have been a Friday night. I don't know. But I do remember when we were at FedEx Field when they picked Kirk Cousins in the fourth round. And I... I remember just looking at you because on one of the uh, on one of our you heard it here first bold prediction segments like four months earlier, you know it, during the college football season, I said Washington's going to pick Kirk Cousins in the upcoming draft and he's going to be their starting quarterback within two years. Do you remember that? No, I don't. You really I should remember. I'm not doubting you. I'm not doubting you. But I tend to remember things about me, not about you. Well, that's true. Uh, after you, everybody else comes first. Um, but I did do it. Don't you remember? You do remember our You Heard It Here first segment, our bold prediction segment that we did for like seven straight years once a week, don't you? Yes. Look, uh, you're not in the business of lying, so I'm sure you did. Okay. I gave you Kirk Cousins during his final year at Michigan State. And when they picked Kirk Cousins... 
it was a sh- I mean, I was like, oh my God, they picked the guy that I gave out on You Heard It Here First, but remember, it quickly turned into a conversation about, oh my God, they drafted Griffin and they just drafted another quarterback. And I had no issue with it at all because I just remember saying, you got to have two in this league. You can't have one. He's not the starter. He's not a second-round pick. He's a fourth-round pick. You know, this shouldn't be a big issue considering that they need two quarterbacks. And, uh, and, and mo- I think most people thought it was a big mistake. And maybe it was a mistake because RG3 turned out to be a rather hypersensitive young man. Um, but uh, it turned out to be the right thing, too. I mean, they, they got, you know a couple of really good years out of Cousins before uh, before he yeah. left for free agency before after two franchise tags. Yeah. Um, yep. Before they gave him away. Yeah, some of those... Maybe they'll draft two quarterbacks tonight. <sighs> Boy, that would really drive Carson Wentz up a, up a wall, wouldn't it? You know, it's one of the topics I have for the show today. And we can start there. That's not where I was intending to go. But we can start there because I, on the show yesterday, I, I, I said, look, I, I want them to draft Kyle Hamilton if he's there at 11. Uh, I don't care about any of the receivers. I don't think they'll draft Kyle Hamilton if Drake London is there. I think if Drake London is there, that's going to be their pick at 11, if they, if they, if they pick at 11. Um, but I'd like them to draft, draft Kyle Hamilton for a lot of reasons. Most notably, I think he's a top three or four player in the draft. It would be huge value. Um, and I think he is a really safe pick with a massive upside. Um, and he's dropping because of his 40 times. And, you know, he's coming off an injury, too. And I, I am actually wondering now if the injuries is much of an issue with some teams as the 40 time. But I have been, as you know, since the Wentz trade, very adamant that if there's a quarterback that they really like and they believe has, you know, huge boom potential, that they should take that quarterback in, the, in this draft. Because I just don't believe Carson Wentz is the long-term answer. I mean, they're hoping he is, and there's a chance that he is. But the chances, in my mind's eye, are less than 50-50. Which means if you think Malik Willis has big upside, which Ron Rivera kind of referred to a quarterback the other day that he likes, that he would have taken early, and I think it might be Malik Willis. Of course, the report from Jeremy Fowler yesterday you know, indicates it could be Matt Corral. Um, that's a possibility, too. But I just think if they love a quarterback, they take a quarterback. It's, it's, it's a you know, contrarian opinion, a minority opinion amongst most of you that are listening because you want to surround Wentz with weapons. And I say, to what end? Nine and eight? 10 and 7, one out of every three years of the next three years, and maybe one playoff berth. No, Malik Willis could be the star of this draft ultimately uh, if he reaches his you know, potential. And I think a lot of people feel that way. I just think a lot of people feel that he's got a massive low end too. But I think they should take a quarterback if they like a quarterback. I don't think they should take one if they don't like one. But if they think one's got big, big boom potential, I think they should draft one. What do you think? Well, I think uh, as a general rule in, in drafts for NFL teams, I think you should draft a quarterback every year. 
just not necessarily with the first pick in the draft. I think that you should have enough, you better have talented enough evaluators, enough good talent evaluators to be able to look at the draft in any given year and say, this guy's worth a shot. Let's draft him in the fifth round or the sixth round. You know, that's the kind of quarterback that I think they should draft. Not uh, the first round on Malik Willis. Well, what if what if they told you internally they had a, a first-round grade on Malik Willis and they thought that you know he needed a year but that he was going to be a star quarterback down the road? Well, they have to go with what they believe then. I mean, you know, that they could be wrong, but they have to go with where they believe. You know, i got to tell you something. I, I, I'm a little bit co- – I question Malik Willis's judgment uh, – since he went to Liberty University. Well, he transferred to Liberty. Sorry. Yeah, he transferred to Liberty. Okay. Yeah. Okay. What, you, you, because of okay. Falwell? Well, no, because I just think that, uh, I mean, that's, that's, that's certainly not a place if you want to be a great NFL, a, a great quarterback in college football, you would go play. Well, no. Well, he, he was, you know, he was at Auburn and it didn't work out. He wasn't going to get an opportunity. He went to Liberty and made Liberty, you know, a fairly competitive team, you know, over the last couple of years. But, you know, Carson Wentz was at North, North Dakota State. So we, we've certainly seen quarterbacks come out of smaller schools. Joe Flacco was at Delaware, you know, playing on the FCS level. I mean, Liberty's Division One, North Dakota State's FCS. You know, Delaware was FCS, so you know uh, you find you find players everywhere. I um, here's the net of it on this: they better be right. They better be right. They're sitting there at eleven in a in a draft without much um, hype about the quarterbacks. It's a it's a dismissed quarterback class by virtually everybody, which means, by the way, at eleven they might have the opportunity to draft the best quarterback in this draft. They're not going to. I understand they're not going to. But I do think uh, that if they really believe that Malik Willis had a massive you know, upside, which I think he does personally, I think they should take him. And I would not care about not adding another weapon to Carson Wentz because Carson Wentz is not going to be the quarterback that leads you to a, a 10-year run of sustained success under this shitty owner. You're, you're, you need something a hell of, hell of a lot better than that. You need, you know, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers. You need to hit on one of those. And so if you think somebody in this draft has the potential to be one of those, then you should take them, period. Uh, but most people don't agree, so I'll move on from that. Most people don't agree, but the excitement would be through the roof, at least as much as you know, even if it's a small roof for this franchise right now, the excitement would be significant if they drafted Malik Wallace in the first with the first round. Or Willis, yes. Malik Willis. Yeah, no, yes. it would be. There's no doubt it would be. Now people, yeah, of course it would. And, and of course, Carson Wentz, they'd have to pry him out of the basement of his house. <laughs> and well, because he wouldn't leave. Yeah, but don't you think that's a problem? I mean, I, I, I hear you. Of course you. Like, it's a problem. It, that, that, that gives you the answer almost right away. Like, you can't, you can't yes. push this guy? Aaron Rodgers went out and won two MVPs when they drafted Jordan Love. 
I understand he's had he had a lot more success. Look, I, I, I actually think it would be exciting, but I think it would also anger the hell out of a lot of the, the, the fans that are really into this. Because they would be like, well, why did you? Tr-? It, it's the whole thing. Well, then why did you do Wentz? If you loved Willis, why did you do Wentz? Look, it's a moot point. They're not drafting Malik Willis. Here's, right. what, the, here's what they have to do. They got to get this thing right. That's what they got to do. Because right now, it appears as if two out of the last three years, God rest his soul, they have missed on first round picks. And by the way, if you go back four seasons, the guy they drafted in 2018, they're going to let go after next season, Deron Payne. So Deron Payne, Dwayne Haskins, Chase Young, we still have hope for. And by the way, Montez Sweat, uh, we have a lot of hope for too. I have some thoughts on him here in a moment as it relates to the draft. But Jamin Davis, I'm not giving up on Davis. I'm not. But Jamin Davis at this point looks like it was a bit of a whiff or certainly a reach at 19 overall. So this group better get this one right tonight. No matter who they take, it better turn out to be a number 11 overall should be a significant contributor to your franchise for the next many years. Not a guy that has a lot of his snaps taken away by David Mayo at the end of the year. They've got to get a player at 11 that all of us agree pretty early on they got it right. They got a starter. They got, you know, a potential Pro Bowl or all pro caliber type of player. I know that they think this draft is strongest in the middle of the draft and they want to acquire more picks so they have more than the six that they have. I know most draft experts believe this to be a draft that doesn't have a guaranteed superstar, but it's got a lot of good players. They got to get it right at number 11 here. Okay, now, so let's talk about we think they really will pick in the first round in this draft. All right, let's do that, uh, because I want to hear what you think they're going to do and what you'd like them to do. Uh, We'll do that right after these words from a few of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language 
in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Don't forget to rate us and review us, especially on Apple. Uh, This from Sandguy554 via Apple Podcasts. Uh, He gave us five stars. Thank you, Sandguy554. Uh, He wrote, a perfect combination of DC sports talk and humor with excellent rotating guests, uh, Tommy, Cooley, and even Zabe. Yeah, we've had Zabe on uh, a number of times. Topics as diverse as the Adams Morgan fire. Yeah, it wasn't a fire. The Knickerbocker Theater um, snowstorm uh, collapsed that theater a hundred years ago in 1922. The biggest snowstorm in the history uh, of our town, uh, in fact. And we, we did a show on that, uh, and I'm forgetting the name of the guy that we had on who's written extensively about it, but God, he was so good. Uh, occasional gems like that, uh, along with Billy Packer and Jay Gruden, and each of uh, each and every one of them sounds like an old friend chatting over a beer. Uh, thank you for that. From Radley81, thanks, Tom and Kevin, for riding with me on the emotional roller coaster of being a Washington fan. Uh, again, rate us and review us uh, if you can on Apple and Spotify. Apple allows you to write the reviews as well. Spotify, more of just a quick rating opportunity. Um, and if you haven't done it, uh, take 30 seconds and do it right now if you can. It's great for us, uh, and we appreciate it. All right, Tommy, uh, I've already given on yesterday's show and I think in the last segment, I want Kyle Hamilton at 11. I think they'll draft Drake London if he's there. Who do you want? Who do you think they'll take? Well, uh, I think they're going to draft the guy from uh, Notre Dame who everybody likes, who you talked about. Kyle Hamilton? Uh, You've talked about before, yeah. I think if he's available, that's who they'll draft. I think if Drake London is available, that's who they should draft. Uh, But, uh, I mean, I don't think they should pick defense one more year with their first-round pick. And they need offensive help. And I think Drake London would be a good pick for them. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. What about Jameson Williams? Uh, I know he's coming off a torn ACL. But if he wasn't, wouldn't he be the top uh, receiver in the draft, the kid from Alabama? Yeah, most likely he would be. Yes. Yeah. And would you take a chance on that guy? Well, I, I think, you know, Ron Rivera keeps talking about how important this year is, and he may not be ready to start the year. Now, if you're thinking for the long-term best interest of an organization and Jamison Williams is the best receiver on your board, you should take that that player if he's the best player at that spot. I'm not big in ta- in, into taking a receiver at 11. I'm not going to have an issue with it because there's so many good ones, and potentially one or two of them are going to turn out to be really good. Um, I, I I just I, I think that they are in that position where, you know, Charlie Casserly and Bobby Bethard over the years have said you make your biggest mistakes when you draft 
for need. Uh, I don't see wide receiver as a need. I think that they believe they had they need another playmaker, and they could certainly use one. I'm not suggesting that they couldn't use another playmaker. Um, but if the best player on their board is Kyle Hamilton or Derek Stingley Jr. or Sauce Gardner, if he were to drop as a corner or one of the offensive linemen, I would want them to take that player. Um, I, I don't want them, you know, if, if there's a significant difference between the highest rated player on their board and the player that they, you know, most need, they're just not in a position of being like one player away from contending for a title. That's just not who, who they are. Um, I don't, I, I think Drake London is going to be the pick. I'd prefer Kyle Hamilton. So you and I are a little bit in opposite. You think Kyle Hamilton's going to be yeah. the pick and you'd prefer Drake London. Drake London wouldn't even be my number one wide receiver. Garrett Wilson would be the number one wide receiver if, I, if, I, if they were going to go receiver. But there's really not a lot separating a lot of these receivers. But Garrett Wilson to me looks, as I've said now for two months, like Stefan Diggs and Stefan Diggs is one of those picks that they didn't make back in 2015 that I was very angry about. They took Jamison Crowder instead, and two rounds later, um, Diggs went. And I know what the issues were with Diggs in 2015 were and why he went in the fifth round. He had some injuries, and there were some issues uh, with Diggs that people were concerned about. But I knew what, what, a, what a great you know talent he was. And Crowder's turned out to be a nice player. No Stefan Diggs. Garrett Wilson would be my number one wide receiver, but I think they think Drake London is their best receiver or the highest rated receiver on their board. Um, I'm pretty sure uh, that that's how they feel. And I think they believe there's great separation with the others. Uh, And in part, because they want to give Wentz a big receiver. They want to give him a big receiver with a big catch radius because that's where he has excelled um, when he has excelled the Alshon Jeffries, the Michael Pittman juniors, etc. I think, and I'm starting to hear uh, that, you know, if both London and Hamilton are gone, I don't even know. Let me just be clear on Hamilton. I think they should pick Hamilton. I think they'll pick London if he's there. If, if he's there, if London's not there and Hamilton is, I'm not convinced they're going to take Hamilton. You know, there's, there's the possibility that there are mixed feelings in that building on Kyle Hamilton. Um, so if that's the case, I don't know who they'd take, but I'm starting to think it might be Chris Olave, the receiver from Ohio State, who I think McShay or Kuyper, one of the two, mocked Olave to Washington in their final mock draft because there, there is a belief that Ron Rivera and, and Scott Turner, you know, love Drake uh, London more than anybody, but of the Ohio State receivers, they love Olave. I think 11 would be too high for Olave, but at the same time, they should, you know, take the highest rated player on their board. There's not a lot separating these receivers, as I, as I said. But to your question, Tommy, if they didn't get London and they didn't get Hamilton uh, and they were intent on a receiver and they didn't want Garrett Wilson, then it should be Jamison Williams, even if he weren't ready for the beginning of the year. Because he's got, you know, yes, he would have been the first receiver taken had he not had the ACL. I believe that. Um, well, I agree with you on that. I mean, he's a guy, you know, I, I haven't seen that much college football this year. But, uh, you know, I mean, I, I know enough about him that I think he's worth, he's worth the risk, you know, coming back from that. But you're right. I mean, uh, you know, they don't – it's funny because we don't think Ron Rivera would get fired necessarily right. if he didn't have a good year. But – 
we do also think there's a time clock ticking, and we think he feels that. He certainly put some pressure on himself with some expectations for this year when he didn't need to do that. But, no, I agree with you. I don't think he's going to get fired. Let me just mention one other name because Deron Payne, the possibility that he won't be here after next season. Jordan Davis, um, I had uh, Josh Norris from uh, Odyssey Fantasy Football uh, on this morning. He he had the best mock draft last year. Ben Standings won that title two times. Josh Norris won it last year and had the most uh, had the most correct picks in a mock draft in history. He got sixteen of the thirty two exactly where they went, including Jamin Davis um, last year. Um, and he and others have said that Jordan Davis, the defensive tackle from Georgia, uh, is now considered to be, in terms of interior defensive linemen, um, as highly rated as any interior def- defensive lineman ever coming into this draft in terms of the measurables and the athleticism, uh, uh, you know, coupled with his 6'6", 340-pound frame. Yeah. Wa- Washing- yeah. Washington now might consider Jordan Davis. It was reported last week by Ben Standig that they were going to go down and visit with Trayvon Walker late in the process. Now, Walker is minus 400 to be the first pick in the draft, so they're not going to have a chance at Walker. But if Jordan Davis from Georgia is there at 11, and let's just say Drake London, their fantasy pick, I think, is already gone, I know a lot of you would be upset that they let Tim Settle go and that they cut Matt Ioannidis and that they aren't, you know, reportedly going to re-sign Deron Payne. Um, and then all of a sudden they take a need position in defensive tackle Jordan Davis. But it's possible a guy like Davis could be the highest rated player on their board. Now, by the way, just so we're clear, just because Ben reported that the plan is not to re-sign Deron Payne and let Deron Payne go to free agency, it's not like they can't change their mind, you know, he's playing for them this year on the fifth year option, you know, at the just over 8 million bucks. And if he has a great year, there's still a chance they could sign him to a long-term deal and keep him. Um, the big issue is trying to sign John Allen last year. And then, you know, upcoming Chase Young and Montez Sweat are going to get deals. And one of the stories yesterday, um, which was not a surprise, and it was reported earlier in the week by J.P. Finley, is that they picked up the fifth-year option on Montez Sweat, which they should have. And then you've got the, McCl- you've got the McLaurin right. uh, contract hanging over your head as well. That's right. Uh, ben has talked a lot over the last year and a half about how they're not going to be able to sign all four of these guys. Eventually, one of them's going to go. And it looks like he's going to be right. Now, my position all along is if they were all great, young, sweat, uh, Allen, and Payne, and they were the dominant part of the team, and they were leading the team to winning seasons and playoff berths, even if they weren't you know, championship contenders, that they would figure out a way to pay all of them. Uh, you know, the, the cap is, you know, you can be creative. A lot of teams are, um, but, uh, I, I think that the pain thing is a combination of, yeah, we can't afford them all, but more than that, he's the one that we like the least. You know, John Allen really proved that signing him to that extension last year was the right thing. He's not only a great player, he's a great team leader. Deron Payne has unbelievable talent, but he's just been inconsistent, Tommy. That's the issue. And I don't think that... 
and, and he picked a fight with the wrong guy. He picked, a, <laughs> he picked a fight with the wrong guy. I mean, they're apparently the best of friends. But, you know, the father came out, remember, you know, and criticized Allen and criticized the team for not having a quarterback yeah. and defended his son, which, you know, fathers tend to do. Uh, not necessarily all of them on social media, um, but he did that. But I think that really the issue with Duran is they see incredible talent and it flashes all the time. But it's not consistent. And the reason it's not consistent is he's probably not the pro that John Allen is. And therefore, they're, they're probably skeptical that he'll ever be a consistent dominant force in that position. If, you know, he's not going to be Aaron Donald or Fletcher Cox. Even though he's got the talent to be that, he's not going to be that. And he would have shown that already. And maybe he shows it here in his fourth year, and they change their mind and they go all in on Deron Payne, and they end up franchising Deron Payne next year. Who knows? Um, but uh, but the the point is is that defensive tackle can't be ruled out, especially if Jordan Davis is there at eleven and the guys that they wanted to get are gone. Uh, you can't rule that out. Like uh, we were, Brendan and I were doing this quick segment at the end of the show. What would be the uh, pick you could see Washington making that's a long shot that would shock everybody, but on some level, after you kind of thought about it, wouldn't be that surprising? And I said Jordan Davis is a possibility. Um, I also think the corner from Washington, Trent McDuffie, uh, is a possibility as well. And I also think um, that uh, Devin Lloyd, the linebacker, and I think. 11 would be too early, but I think a lot of people like him. And if they do, if they, if they're split on Kyle Hamilton, you know, being kind of that Buffalo nickel and therefore they're back to a linebacker, Devin Lloyd would be their kind of guy. Cause he's just super, super athletic, but so was Jamin Davis. So, um, anyway, uh, all right. So you've got London, you want Hamilton, you think, I want Hamilton, but I think London. Uh, there we go. I wanted to mention one other thing real quickly um, on this draft because, you know, we're not going to sit here and do the Snyder bashing for that long. But when they picked up the option on Montez Sweat yesterday, you know, I thought about Montez Sweat. He was a player before that draft that Cooley and I talked a lot about, and, and I loved him. And I'm like, I would love it if they picked him at 15. Well, there were some issues in that 2019 draft with Sweat um, because there were some medicals, heart-related, that had teams scared off. But I loved Montez Sweat. I loved that Mississippi State defense, which that year, by the way, in the first round, you had you know, Jonathan Abram, you had Jeffrey Simmons, and you had Montez Sweat. You had three first-round picks from that defense. That Mississippi State defense was awesome. And I loved Sweat wet as a college player and I thought 15 wasn't too high for sweat well the football people didn't think that sweat at 15 was too high either that's who they wanted they wanted either sweat or Darnell Savage out of Maryland which he went six players later to Green Bay those were the two players that Kyle Smith and Jay Gruden and all of the scouts and all of the football people wanted but that's not what happened on that April night back in 2019. Dan Snyder hijacked the draft room and told them that they have to draft, you know, that they've got to draft Dwayne Haskins. Now, Gruden's told us the story 
you know, in the past that, you know, he knew they were taking Haskins before that night because Snyder had made it clear to everybody that that's who he wanted. But the football people were not happy with it at all. And so, you know, rest in peace, Dwayne Haskins, by the way, but it was the wrong pick. Um, And because of that, Snyder later in that draft had to satisfy his football people by okaying a trade back into the first round to take Montez Sweat. Well, that trade cost them two second-round picks, their second-round pick that year and the second-round pick the next year, which Indianapolis parlayed into a, another pick in the twenty. Eight, uh, in the in the 2019 draft, and then they used Washington's number two overall in the second round in 2020 to select uh, Michael Pittman Jr., who was, by the way, Carson Wentz's favorite receiver last year in Indianapolis. And just th- th- these these draft nights are important, and they're important from the top down. And there's been too much you know, discussion about the scandal and the investigations. And we kind of forget that from a football operations standpoint, even though he was probably less hands-on over the last decade, the Robert Griffin III empowerment and what he did to the 2019 draft, that's got long-term implications. You know, these are things you can't have in an organization that they've had over and over again with their owner. I don't think something like that will happen tonight. I don't think something like that will happen tonight. But, you know, that particular 2019 draft at 15 overall, imagine if they were able to trade back and get Montez Sweat and pick up more picks, you know, and end up with a couple of really good players in the second round, you know, which is the way really good teams do it. Would you agree that it's far more damaging when an owner misses on a draft pick than when the front office misses on the Of course. Of course. Yes. Because that owner's never yes. leaving. So it's, the other people you can get rid right. of. And, 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 the, and the implications through the system, through the whole system, that everyone knows the owner blew, on, you know, blew this, are far more different than a general manager you know, not hitting on a first-round pick. People expect that. They don't expect the owner to, to, to ru- be running the board. And when the owner runs the board and he's wrong, it's massively wrong. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's 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 bad. Um, and you know, I know people will say, "Well, what about Dallas?" Well, look, you know, Dallas doesn't have many more playoff wins than Washington's had over the the, the last you know twenty two years while Dan's been the owner. Now, you know, Jerry got a couple Super Bowls. He got three of them. Um, but he had Jimmy Johnson, who was running the operation. Right. Uh, but um, yeah, I, uh, I, I, I agree. I, I, I don't. I think he's got too many things going on to deal with getting in the middle of the draft. I do think Ron Rivera right now is running this football operation. I think Martin Mayhew's a significant part of it. I think Herney is behind the scenes. I think the two coordinators have uh, a lot of input: Scott Turner and Jack Del Rio, uh, in in this process as well. Um, look, they, they hit on Chase Young, we think, um, you know, in 2019, step back year last year for sure. 
Uh, but, you know, they, I think they did, did a really good job in drafting Antonio Gibson in that draft. They got Cam Curl in the seventh round. They got James Smith-Williams. He's still on the team. Uh, Sadiq Charles, who knows, maybe this year is his opportunity. Is there, There's certainly going to be chances for him to play, to play guard. Um, last year, you know, Cosme and St. Juice and John Bates, you know, look like players already. Uh, I think they really still believe in De'Ami Brown. They got their long snapper, even though they had to trade uh, up in the sixth round to get him. Um, they got a defensive end in Shaka Tony that's still on the roster, that they like his talent. But their first round pick, Jamin Davis, is a big question mark. But I believe the football people are in charge. We'll see whether or not the football people are good at doing this. This will, this will be, believe it or not, their third draft. And really their first true draft of, of a real offseason without you know COVID affecting it. Um, it was interesting. Rivera gave Kyle Smith a lot of a lot of credit for the 2020 uh, draft the other day. Um, you know, that was the draft board that he basically used was Kyle Smith's, even though he decided to bring in his own people and move on from Kyle Smith. And now Kyle Smith's got, you know, Atlanta's draft. Uh, but um, but uh, he gave uh, Kyle Smith a lot of credit the other day. All right, uh, a few more things to finish up the show, including uh, what Tommy wrote about today in the Washington Times. That's next, right after these words from a few of our sponsors. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. My bookie's got all of your draft prop bets. Go to mybookie.com or mybookie.ag and you can wager on the draft tonight and tomorrow night and Saturday and the NBA playoffs and the NHL playoffs, which start next week. Go to mybookie.com, use my promo code uh, KevinDC and they'll match your first deposit dollar for dollar all the way up to a thousand bucks. Right now, by the way, on the odds of the position that Washington will select. Wide receiver is the favorite at plus 100, even money. Um, defensive back, you know, safety or corner uh, is at plus 125. So uh, pretty close to what the odds are for wide receiver. And then it goes offensive lineman at 6 to 1, plus 600. And quarterback at plus 1,000, 10 to 1 um, is fourth. Defensive lineman, Plus 1,800, 18 to 1. That quarterback number was actually third the other day. Um, it's now uh, fourth uh, on the list. Um, I'm not making any uh, draft bets, although one of the prop bets that I do like is the quarterback over under number at two and a half. Uh, I think it's three in some places, but I think you can find a two and a half out there. 
I do think there are going to be three quarterbacks taken in the draft. I think somebody will get back into the draft at the very end of the first round to get that fifth year, Tommy, of of control, uh, which you get with first rounders. Uh, so that would not right. uh, that that wouldn't surprise me at all. Ben, by the way, just posted his uh, official mock draft uh, entry, Ben Standig did, two-time mock draft champion. Uh, He's got Washington taking Kyle Hamilton at 11 uh, because he's got Drake London going to the Falcons at 8. I had Ben on the show this morning. Ben thinks that if London's there, he'll be the pick and thinks if he isn't, it'll be Hamilton if he's there. Um, And uh, I'm looking to see, wow, Ben has... What Brendan had this morning, which is Jermaine Johnson, who is flying up the board right now, going to the Jets at four overall, the defensive end from Florida State. Uh, He has been climbing um, a lot of draft boards. That is really high compared to where he was a week or two weeks ago. Uh, Meantime, uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, who at one point during the season was the projected number one overall, uh, Ben's going, uh, has going, uh, at 13 uh, in this draft. Ben's got the first quarterback uh, being Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett uh, at 20 to the Steelers. And then he's got Malik Willis going 32 to the Lions. Wow. So he's got just two quarterbacks. Oh, my fault. I missed it. He's got Desmond Ritter going to Tennessee at 26 and Willis as the third quarterback taken Pickett to the Steelers at 20 Ritter to Tennessee at 26 and Willis to the Lions at 32. So if Willis goes to the Lions, he'll go from the Christians to the Lions. (laughs) There you go. Well done. Yeah. I'll be here all day. All weekend, actually. Uh, But tickets are hard to get. Um, Okay. I want to, I just want to take two minutes here and talk about the weekend for Washington. Uh, And then you can finish up with any other draft thoughts uh, that you have. Because I think they are viewing this weekend, and by the way, after this weekend, with, you know, potential veterans that could get cut post-June 1, I think they are viewing this weekend as really important to not the future, but the immediate future. You know, not the long-term future, but the immediate future. Because I think they believe they can contend in the NFC East in 2022. They felt like at 6 and 6 with that four game winning streak last year that you know absent of the the injuries and certainly the covid situation that they faced when they had to play you know Philly on a Tuesday night and then Dallas five nights later uh, where they got run out of the building I think they felt like there was an opportunity to finish that season uh in contention uh had they stayed healthy and that's with Taylor Heineke at quarterback they believe that they underachieved defensively and that that can change this year and they can be back to what they thought they should have been last year defensively with maybe some more maturity and health and with an upgraded quarterback if they can as Ron has talked about you know protect and add playmakers for Carson 
that they can be a good team. You know, maybe they are realistic about where they are in the NFC uh, because the defending Super Bowl champion Rams and the Buccaneers and the Packers are the three prohibitive favorites in the NFC. And Dallas is going to be, you know, a big-time favorite in the NFC East. But I think Ron and Jack and Scott and all of them believe that they're not that far away from contending for a division title and a home playoff game. I, I really believe that. And so in this draft where you have a significant number of players, an unusual number of players because of the COVID situation and the extra year that people got. You've got a a bigger volume of draftable players. You've got better players, and it's a deeper draft in the middle of the draft. They'll view their fourth-round pick as a guy that would have gone in the third round last year or the year before. Uh, And those players, in many cases, will be a little bit older, potentially, than they would have been in previous previous drafts, if they can fill a couple of their need areas, you know, and we know what they think they are, they've got to replace Landon Collins, or they've got to have, you know, another defensive playmaker, they've got to have another offensive playmaker, they certainly need some depth along the offensive line, Um, but they believe that if they have a good weekend and a good uh, post-draft period, post-June 1 period, that they've got a chance to be a really good team next year. And this is a big weekend. So I think, you know, if they go DB safety at 11 with, say, a Kyle Hamilton, that they will be focused on wide receiver in the second round. I think if they go wide receiver at 11 overall, they're going to be focused on a defensive back in the second round. Uh, Both of those positions have some depth. I know they like the kid out of Baylor, Petrie, the safety. I think there may be another safety or two they like. I'm actually a little bit concerned that the feeling being super mixed on Kyle Hamilton internally, uh, which I believe to be true, that if Hamilton's there and London isn't, they still might go receiver. Now, if they picked Garrett Wilson, that's my preferred receiver in this draft anyway. Uh, But I think that they believe they can fill some needs here in the first two rounds. By the way, I'm not discounting running back. They brought a lot of running backs in, and I think Kenneth Walker, the third out of Michigan State, Uh, even more than Hall out of Iowa State, is going to be a star back in this league. I really believe that about Walker III. The game he had against Michigan was one of the best games we've seen a running back play in college football in a long time. I love his power, vision, uh, you know, on-the-field speed. I think he's going to be a special back for somebody. And we've seen a lot of these great backs get picked in the second and third rounds, you know, in drafts. Uh, I don't think they're going to take a running back in the second round, but I think they're going to take, you know, uh, if they if they take a defensive player in the first round, they're going to be looking to add a playmaker. And as Ben Standing has told us previously, you know, they view playmaker as receiver or maybe a running back. So um, that's what I expect. And then, you know, the rest of the draft, they should look, I think they should be taking best available all the way through. Uh, would it surprise me if they took uh, Matt Corral in the second round? It would, even though I think Jeremy Fowler is an excellent reporter. I would be surprised. Matt Fowler, uh, Matt Fowler, Matt Corral did not interview well at all. I think that's why they're doing more research in the event that he really drops. They want to just be super sure that at 47 they shouldn't take him. Uh, but um, 
you know, most of the other positions uh, after the second round, I certainly wouldn't uh, discount, including a quarterback like a Carson Carson Strong. You know, if they were to acquire more picks, maybe trading back in the fourth to acquire a, a second, fifth rounder, as an example. You know, if they took a Carson Strong uh, in the fifth round, something like that. But anyway, uh, the whole weekend's going to be interesting. Um, do you have uh, any other thoughts on the draft, Tommy, or not? No, I don't think so. Okay. Um, I read your column this morning before the show. It's something I think we talked about either earlier this week or last week. Alex Ovechkin's relationship with uh, and support for Vladimir Putin. So have at it. Uh, tell everybody what the column is about and let's discuss. Yeah, basically, I think it's kind. Of, I think it's a wake up call, and I think there'll be others who will follow. Uh, particularly with the Stanley Cup playoffs now, and people all of a sudden realize people are playing hockey in America and there, there's hockey games going on, that uh, Alex Ovechkin's uh, continued support of, of Vladimir Putin is almost like giving aid and comfort to the enemy these days. And we're, we're for all intents and purposes, at war uh, with Russia right now. I mean, you know, we're, we're giving billions of dollars in, 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 in money and, and weapons to, to Ukraine to fight the Russians. I mean, we, we, we're boycotting the Russians in every possible way we can, not doing business with them. I mean, you know, I, I reported in the column that, you know, U.S. officials at the G20 conference last week walked out when the Russians started talking. I mean, this is, and, and yet, here's, here's the star uh, in the nation's capital with him and, and, and Vladimir Putin still on display as the profile photo for his Instagram account. And I think that's, that's, that's not acceptable. And if I was a Caps fan, it would make me a little bit sick. So what do you think will happen? Ultimately, yeah. I, think, I think you could see, I think it's a long shot, but I think it's possible you could see Russian players, not this year, but Russian players in the offseason banned from the NHL. Not this year. No, I don't think they're, it's, they're not going to do – no. There's no way Gary Bettman is going to upend the Stanley Cup playoffs unless there's a nuclear bomb outside his office. Well, what if the, okay. what if the war in Ukraine's over when the, when the season opens in October? Well, then, then, then all bets are off. Yeah. But from, I mean, it doesn't look like it's going to be over, you know, for a, for a while. Mm-hmm. So – a couple of things. Number one, you know, you t- talked about you know the tennis players not being able to play at Wimbledon, the Russian and Belarusian um, tennis players not being played at Wimbledon. Uh, I-, I was listening to Patrick McEnroe on Mad Dog Show last week, um, and Cliff Drysdale. You know who Cliff Drysdale is, Tommy? Yeah, he's an Australian tennis. Uh, all-time Australian tennis player. He actually was a South African um, tennis player. Um, oh, South African. Okay. And and one of those guys with a limey accent. And so, and so, uh, McEnroe was telling the story that early on he thought it was ridiculous uh, that Wimbledon um, was banning these players. And Cliff Drysdale uh, had a conversation with him. They're very close. Uh, McEnroe calls Drysdale his broadcasting mentor. Drysdale's been doing tennis on ESPN for, you know, eons now. And um, he told McEnroe, Drysdale did, that when he was a player in the late 60s and early 70s, there were 
a few countries that he was not allowed to play in uh, as as protests against uh, South African apartheid. The U.S. was not one of them. I, I think he mentioned Sweden and a few other countries in Europe where he was not allowed to play as a South African. And while at the time he didn't necessarily agree with it, he thought, you know, after years of hindsight, that while, you know, it may have been symbolic um, that a lot of uh, those gestures or those bannings of, of South African things or people from events contributed in some way to worldwide awareness of what was going on. Anyway, McEnroe told that story of the conversation that he had with Drysdale, and he said it made him think um, a little bit differently about the situation and about whether or not you know, not that the world needs, you know, to be told about what's going on in Ukraine. The, the, the late 60s and early 70s were a little bit different in terms of our communication ability. But McEnroe, netting it out, said it kind of changed his mind. But he said one of the uh, big issues was would other sports follow? And Mad Dog said, he goes, there's a big problem with that. Tennis doesn't really have a union the NHL does. They've got a players' union, and the players' union, you know, is there to protect the players who are members of that union. So I would ask you, do you think it would be tough in hockey with a union um, to oust Russian players? That's an interesting scenario because I can't think at that point, uh, if we're at the point, come the beginning of next hockey season, that the situation is in Ukraine is worse. And Europe, not just Ukraine, because people are worried about Europe in general. Okay? If the situation is worse, not better, it's going to be an awfully difficult position for the NHL Players Union to take up. I understand they may do it anyway, but, I mean, at, at that point, you could argue that it borders on treason. Yeah, I, I, I certainly wouldn't call it that. I, I wouldn't refer to it as that. I, I, there's still many other things that can happen with all of the NATO countries to make a much bigger impact than ousting Russian hockey players um, from the NHL. How about, but, I mean, how about it, a lot it, of our, it, our NATO insult, partners it, completely stop buying oil from Russia because that's continuing to happen. Yeah, I get that. Um, so, I get that. But it, it, in a way, it's, yeah. it's, it's an insult. If, if we are at war with Russia, it's an insult to be sitting there watching Russian players play uh, on American ice. As if nothing's going on. I think if we're if we're really at war, and you can say that we're you know at some level of certainly um, aiding a war against Russia right now, but we're not at war with Russia. We're not enforcing a fly zone over there. We don't have boots on the ground. We don't have. Um, it, we're not at war. We're aiding a country in defense of of Russia who's attacked that country and is at war with that country. I think if we were actually in a war, I might feel differently. I think if, if American soldiers were over there and dying in a war against Russia, I think I'd feel much differently. I absolutely would feel much well, differently. Well, to me, I, as, far, as far as I'm concerned, I think we are at war. I get what you're saying, and technically you're right. Um, good column as always from Tommy. And, uh, did you hear anything from anybody with the caps? 
No, no, I didn't. Did you reach out to them? I have not to heard get anything. comment. Yes, I did. Uh, no, I reached out to them to confirm if what ESPN reported that they had asked Ovechkin to either take the photo down right. or to deactivate his Instagram account. I asked them to, you know, if that was true, and they responded with a request to talk to me on background. Uh, but that never happened for various reasons. Do you th- they didn't respond to the initial request as to whether or not that was true or not. They didn't deny it. They just didn't respond to it. Well, I would think that that means that it is true. Yeah, I would think so, too. The, uh, the other part of my, your... My gut reaction is that, that they, that they uh, had a clue since I was asking the question that something good wasn't coming and wanted to try to talk me down from it. That, that's just my gut reaction. The other part and that's of, what that's what good PR people try to do. Sure. The other part of your story is um, minimizing very much the reason that Alex Ovechkin perhaps hasn't taken um, that picture down from his Instagram account, and that is that there's risk to his family and friends over in Russia. You had academics and others that essentially refuted the seriousness of that. Well, just minimized it, uh, yes. Uh, and I point out there's no one of any note or credibility that has come forward and said that, that they, there actually is some risk. I mean, Ovechkin is, is, is very, a very powerful figure in Russia, from what I gather. And, I mean, the, the uh, uh, Paninin, whatever his name is, the New York Rangers hockey player, who actually came out and criticized uh, you know, uh, Putin for the war. I mean, the only thing that happened to him is one of his old coaches accused him of hitting a woman ten years ago. But nothing happened to that guy. You know, they're not gonna, if they're not going to mess with him, they're not going to mess with Al well, Ovechkin. I, I, I mean, I, I re- and I'm not talking about criticizing. I'm just talking about you, you know, you got lots of other photos on that Instagram account. Put another one up there. Right. Well, I, I mean, I, I read the comments from the various people that you had in the cl- column, but we also know that Vladimir Putin has, you know, uh, with with both allies and enemies, allies at various points, there have been lots of, you know, poisonings and, and killings and survived poisonings, et cetera. So... Uh, he he may have he may love Alex Ovechkin and Alex Ovechkin may be super powerful now, but that guy's unstable. Uh, you don't know how he might feel if all of a sudden Ovechkin You're went right. rogue and started to criticize him, which isn't what you said. You just wanted him to pull That's right. the it's photo. That's right. what down. I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, everybody, enjoy one, the. I got, you got what something I else? I got one last thing. Okay. I just want to remind everybody about the DC Gray Cigars and Curveball fundraiser May 9th. On Monday night, May 9th, from 6 to 8 p.m. at Shelly's Back Room, you can buy tickets. You go to dcgrace.com. We're going to have an auction of various items, and one of those things that we're going to auction off is the chance to see Kevin and I do the podcast together in person for two people. Okay? You'll come to the Kevin's, uh, you know, new-age, high-tech studio. 125 in, in, in square Bethesda. feet. Yep. <laughs> 100, 125 square feet. Tommy's going to require that not only do you have an N95 respirator mask, um, but that you provide a vaccine card and uh, everything else. So just be prepared for that. 
if you win if you if you win this auction item. I'll sit here right next That's to you and do the show. I'll, I'll sit next to you and do the show anyway. Okay. One last thing. I what? was at Nats Park last night. Yeah, I, I know. was at Nats Park. It, you know, it wasn't a good thing, but but I was there for business. Okay, and I, I came home with an autographed bat from Juan Soto that will be up for auction uh, at the D.C. Gray's fundraiser. Was that the business? And, and yes. Okay. And when Juan Soto autographs a bat, he autographs a bat. I mean, he pretty much wrote half his biography on the bat. It's an impressive-looking uh, item. The From a guy who could wind up being one of the great baseball players of his time. The Nats stink. I mean, they are awful. I mean, Patrick Corbin's Corbin's pitching today. What's the over-under on on earned runs allowed? Seven? What is his ERA right now? It's it's double digits, I'm pretty sure. I Uh, mean, it's Last night, it it was a two-to-one game, and it took three hours and 20 minutes. How good was the Marlins pitcher, Lopez? He's got a 0.39 ERA right now. (laughs) He was very good. Corbin's ERA going into this afternoon, 11.20. He has, he's had four, I said, four starts. Yeah, when I said a lot of things have to go right for the Nationals, yeah. 11.2, Patrick Corbin, that ERA, that was not one of them. That's a shame. That the, the, I mean, it's, it really is. I keep thinking about the missed opportunity of not being able to play a normal season as the defending World Series champions and the excitement yes. that it would have been around uh, that particular season. Um, it just, everything went south uh, after they won the World Series with the world. Um, and it just, the, the timing could not have been worse yeah. uh, for them. Uh, but yeah. they I mean, are. It's driven, it's driven the learners to sell the team. They're horrendous right Basically. now. They are horrendous. Yeah, uh, you're not watching the NBA playoffs. I, I know, but I don't know if I mentioned this on the pod yesterday. But f- the John ja Morant dunk from two nights ago is one of the greatest dunks I have ever seen. Yeah, it's hard I not to have agree. seen it. It went viral. It, his head was yeah. above the rim, and it, we, it seemed like he was yeah. still elevating when he just decided he'd finally come down. Wow, what a player! Um, and uh, you got a great series potentially coming up with Memphis and Golden State out west. Um, All right, we're done for the day. Enjoy the draft. I'll be back tomorrow with the recap of round number one and a preview of rounds two and three tomorrow night. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.